Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Tierney. My name's Colin. My name is Matt. You're not, no one's going to be able to hear that over my air conditioner. <laughs> well, it's not my fault, but that's the way my voice is, okay? I'm not an air conditioner, I'm a person. Oh, yeah. And my name is Anakin. Can you prove that? No. I didn't realize you're so soft spoken. Only sometimes. Only when I'm saying my my name, mm. then uh, there is no words. There's no volume to it. So. Fair. Also, my sound is like spiking. So I'm gonna see if I can lower this baby. Oh yeah, that's a little. Probably bit. because you started off whispering. <laughs> well, okay. It's not like it. Like no, it's not that intuitive. Mm. <laughs> but I do think I probably need to lower it. A I think it's just, like, very strong. I just have a powerful presence, even though this microphone is very close to my face. Okay, that's better. <laughs> glad, we, uh, glad we recorded God. all of it. Yeah. Don't you love podcasts? <laughs> yeah. My favorite Spe- part of podcasts is when they do tech issues. I, yeah. I th- I, yeah, I think I'm also just really sad for everybody who's not seeing the video right now, because Tierney's built up... <laughs> A tower of pillows to try and block the sound of her air conditioner. It just keeps like falling on her. As opposed to going into the other room. Because my couch. My couch. Um, my couch. <laughs> All right, so we're back. It's been a little while. Um, for us, for, for everyone us. else, it's been a week. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been the normal amount of time for you guys if you're listening. Um, so, so this one's my choice. And I my choice. My choice. Um, so for my first selection of this year's film festival, I chose A Monster Calls, which is a movie that all of us have seen before. Um, so I can I can talk a little bit about my rationale for why I chose this. So hit us. Um, as you know, as we all remember from last year's fest, I, I like to have a theme. I like to have like. A reason for like all of my picks and so mm-hmm. um as we were talking about planning it out um we were looking at like four maybe five movies this year as opposed to the eight <laughs> we did last year and it worked out that uh 2016 was the first year that i started tracking i believe we the... did 12 last year for the festival we did eight each and then we, oh, I mean, we did oh, like other stuff, but like for like the festival, yeah, we, we did each, twenty four like, movies. Yeah, it was oh, excessive. Well. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I uh, twenty sixteen was the first year that I started tracking my movies, like all the movies that I watch. And so I was like, oh, this could be fun. I could go back and like treat this kind of like an actual film festival, where I'm like trying to like call out movies that I really liked from those years mm. that I kept track of. Um, but that I felt were kind of like underseen. Um, but of course I, it's me. So I had to like overcomplicate that process. So, um, I have some parameters that I had to build around what I would actually select for all of these movies. So the parameters are, uh, the movie had to premiere at a, at an actual film festival at some point, um, before it was released officially. It had to have made less than five million dollars domestically. It had to not get nominated for any Academy Awards. And this one was more just for me for fun. It had to be a movie that I haven't seen since I saw it the first time. 
So oh, okay. a lot of these are movies that like really made an impression on me when I first saw them, you know, two to five years ago, but I have not seen them since then. Um, so it's like partially, I, I think that, you know, again, that like I was trying to like recreate the actual film festival vibe of like, this is a movie that you probably haven't heard of, but it's, you know, it's good. You should check it out. Um, but also I wanted to see if it still holds up. So that, those were all the parameters that went into my selections this year. So we'll see what else gets gets the list. But um, I also, I, so I chose Monster Calls, but I have some, uh, I have some runners up. Do you want me to drop them here or do we want to wait until the end? I mean, let's just do them now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, here's the, my, like, my rude question is like, why? Are we like the movies are what you picked? Well, I mean, no, I, mean again, I guess to be the idea is like I want to celebrate these like movies that people probably haven't seen, often haven't even heard of. That's fair, but wouldn't that be like for the end of the festival, like the honor roll mentions of like what movies we didn't pick? Is that I a, think my is only that question a, is, is that like, a thing that we've ever done before or talked no, about? I doing? don't know. <laughs> I the other background is like your picks in the document that we use to track these. Uh, every week except the first week had, or no, no, even the first week, this this week did have it. But like, each slot had at least four <laughs> contenders at one point. So I am interested to hear which ones were the actual contenders. Uh, and our listeners should know that like throughout us picking, <laughs> your picks have been like multiple picks per week, and it's been a weeding out process. So this is actually a reveal of like how the these other ones so go ahead i do want to hear the runners up okay so um other options for so uh, monster calls came out in 2016 so other options for that year were sing street classic came came out uh, premiered at sundance and um only made 3.24 million domestic um hunt for the wilder people Oh my god, this is just like all of my favorite movies. (laughs) So that one just missed the cut. It premiered at Sundance, but it made a little over $5 million. So like of my obnoxious Mm. parameters that I set for myself, that one couldn't make it. Um, $5 million is so low, too. I know. Um, $5 million is nothing. It's like you you were in and out and you left theaters. (laughs) Um, And then there were a couple more that didn't hit either category. Um, but I just thought were good movies that I wanted to shout out. Pete's Dragon, which, like, was a very close choice for me, if only because it's directed by David Lowry, and we are all, like, on the Green Knight train right now. Um, so I thought it would be kind of fun to watch one of his previous movies that was also a Disney movie and very different from the Green Knight. Um, but that movie made, like, $75 million and also is a Disney movie, so, like... That's, that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, that's more money than all the movies put together. But yeah, and then uh, Edge of Seventeen is a good coming of age comedy mm. with uh, Haley Steinfeld um, that I just wanted to shout out. But anyway, I I meant to watch that and hadn't. So <clears throat> so yeah, those are some other movies from 2016 that I would recommend. But we're going to talk about Monster Calls. So mm-hmm. um, Tierney saw this one first out of the three of us, and then mm-hmm. raved about it. And then Matt and I went to see it together. And I, like, literally remember nothing of this movie other than really liking it. And and it ended, and Matt and I were both just sobbing. (laughs) So, like, those are the only things that I remember about this movie. Um, 
so I was very excited to rewatch it, and uh, I did. I liked it. I, I did still really like it, but it did not hit me nearly as hard as it did the last time. Um, and I think maybe it's because I'm just in this random hotel outside of Houston, and I just watched it on a shitty TV in the hotel room. But yeah, I, like it was still really good. I just remember like. Again, I don't remember much of the context of the movie. I just remember, like, it was an emotional gut punch. And I didn't get punched in the gut this time around. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a bummer. But it seems like you guys did. So I'm glad I'm glad that you guys <laughs> uh, Yeah, Tierney, you can go because you saw it first of all of us. Uh, and it's written by Siobhan. So. <laughs> it's actually, uh, I think the guy finished the book. I forget his name, but she started it yeah. and she was dying of cancer and then she died and then he finished it. Oh yeah, Patrick, um, yes. Yeah, Patrick, that's his name. Uh, yeah, so I saw this movie with my mom and my sister and her friend and I think this was one of those movies where my mom was like, you had cancer. <laughs> this woman had cancer. <laughs> um, but also, realistically, she probably like read about it in the paper and was like, I think Tierney would like this. And you know what? She was uh, dead right. Because if there's one thing that is like a niche for Tierney, it's children's stories about death. Um, <laughs> Very much your speed. Oh, it's like 100% my, my MO. Um <laughs> And yeah, so I just, I like immediately loved this movie, as they said, and uh, was obsessed with it. I've read the book, and I think about this movie, I'd say at least, for sure at least once a week. Or sorry, once a month, but probably more often than that. Um, I just think it is, like, top to bottom, pretty much perfect, except for some of Sigourney Weaver's accents. Uh, that was one of my notes this time around. Acting most, great, accent. For the most part, she does a good job. It's just a couple things where you're like, oh, not quite. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, this movie is fantastic. And so I uh, obviously cried in the movie theater. And uh, I remember my sister goes, am I a bad person that I didn't cry? Uh, and then I've watched it a couple other times and I usually cry but this time I like Matt texted saying he was weeping I was weeping in the first 10 minutes (laughs) by the time the end came around like was fully stage 4 crying which is uh, sobbing can you run us through the stages real quick just in case we need it for future episodes so stage 1 is just tearing tearing Mm -hmm. up stage 2 is weeping Stage three is just cry, just like oh, <laughs> stage four is sobbing, and then stage five is bawling, where you're just like almost no tears, but just like oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I get to like the a five full stages st- of tears, of course. Yeah, yeah of I course, get to like obviously. a full stage, stage four with this one, where it's like just sobbing into a tissue. <laughs> that was how I uh, f- finished this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Saw it with Colin in winter 2016 when nerves were raw. People were hurting in winter 2016. Uh, can I give you some uh, more context, Matt? Yeah. Uh, because I hope I, it's January 2016. It, it was 
Uh, because, you know, like I said, this is when I started keeping track of movies I watched. I can tell you we saw it on January 14th. <laughs> oh. And we also... 2016? No, 2017. Oh, of oh. course, 2017. Yeah, oh. so, so yeah, still sorry, post Trump. Yeah, so it was like oh, right damn, before the inauguration. Oh, damn, I was really hoping it was January 2016. <laughs> <laughs> no, because this movie didn't come out in theaters in America until mm-hmm. I think it had like a limited run in December but it didn't like get released wide until January of 2017. Mm-hmm. But we also uh we double featured this movie with 20th Century Women. Yes, we did. And then we saw this uh my friend Stephen Cam uh have a tradition with me where for my birthday they give me a movie marathon at some point in the near future of when we would all see movies for a full day in theaters together so usually we'd like do like four or five i think once we pushed it but um (laughs) i mean it was yeah it was just like an all-day amc trip uh and we had seen we had seen some real bummers uh in other years but that i remember that year was like very solid all around because it was uh monster calls 20th century women and then we also saw I, I'll have to look at I, say, I only joined you for those two, but I know you had done a few yeah. before that, before I met up yeah. with you guys. Um, but a solid, yeah, a solid year for movies. And boy, did I, I did a stage five in theaters <laughs> where, like, I remember choking because I didn't have enough tissue and I couldn't blow my nose or it would be too loud and too gross. So I just, like, <laughs> choked on all my mucus from how hard I was crying. Just raw throat just sobbing. <laughs> it was very intense in theaters. I think it might have been the hardest I've ever cried in a theater. Um, just, yeah, real intense. I have subsequently watched it at least two or three times, this being maybe my third time. Um, I cry every time, but it was like a stage three this time of just like little bursts of crying um at basically the same parts as always and every time i go in i'm like but i like i know what's coming and they just know exactly how to play (laughs) the sad moments to really twist the knife um and yeah it gets me every time i think it's a beautiful movie i think it was my number one of the year um for 2016 year or whatever which i included some january movies but um i really did love this movie when it comes when it came out and i have it on blu-ray and just an excellent movie by the award-winning director of jurassic park (laughs) jurassic world fallen kingdom Kingdom. such a a truly (laughs) trash movie but not this director's fault that movie's got a lot of style and direction and very little happening in the script. This movie's fantastic, though. Very excited to talk about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything... The Like, the only note that I had was Sigourney Weaver. And, like, it's not that she's bad. It's just it's an interesting choice that, like, mm-hmm. Felicity Jones, this Louis McDougal, I think that's the kid's name? Yeah. Um, and Toby Kebbell are all, like, pretty English. 
<laughs> and like this movie is very clearly set in England. <laughs> like everything about this movie is very much England. And then all of a sudden you just got this American woman thrown on a, a serviceable yeah. at best English accent. It's just like why? Like and why realistically did we need to do that. <laughs> yeah. There are plenty of I mean Charlotte Rampling would have been great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just plenty of like no. middle-aged. I wow, would disagree with that one. Mm. Yeah, and you know what? They don't have to recast Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> I do think she was very good in this role. It's just her accent is a little spotty, but truly does turn in a great performance and has some of the best moments in the movie uh, of just her, just her acting. She's so underrated. I think that her accent is like it it's good enough given the rest of her performance. Mm-hmm. I, but I yeah, think again. that because the grandma is supposed to be such a formidable like person and basically like a wall. She's like unflinching that I don't know like Sigourney Weaver has a look that I don't think any I I don't think many other people could do what she did without it becoming sinister. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I'll defend her. I will too, actually. I, um, I don't, I, again, I don't think it was a bad performance. I just thought, like, it just... It's a it's, choice. It's, a, it it's, is a, interesting it's to... an interesting choice, given the context of every other choice that was made in this movie. It just seems like... <coughs> I, it, it just, it feels a little out of place. With Supposedly, else. that little boy is actually Scottish. He's not English. Oh, really? He oh, he has a couple slips. A couple yeah. times he slips, and you hear a non-British accent, and you can kind of be, you're like, oh. Um, but I think Lewis he is fantastic. So so good. He's probably every time like I watch this the best child actor I think I've ever seen. And you have to think about what he has to do in this movie. Like, how many yeah. child actors have to, A, carry the whole movie, mm-hmm. but have to show, like, the emotional range that he does? And not be annoying. Because yeah. I think it's very easy <laughs> for his actions in this movie to come off as, like, annoying or, uh, like, like, bratty. Like, there's a lot of little things that, like, could come off wrong. And he really doesn't play it that way. It play it's everything it's he does. Sarky. It's like, packed with hurt. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, yeah. you poor kid. You're just so angry, and understandably so. Um, but I was also like watching his performance for like little like looks that he gave or little like natural smiles that really made it look like a kid enjoying himself. Like at the amusement park mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much joy in that scene that we don't really get to see in very many other spots. Um, but he can really turn it on and turn it off of when it has to be, like, gut-wrenching versus, like, carefree and natural. I think He's so good. the looks that he gives his mom, too, are, like, oh, they're very subtle, but they're, like, spot-on. It's like mm-hmm. a dart in a bullseye. <laughs> Again, I I wish people could see what Tierney's doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, 
I also had, uh, oh, just building off of that, the, like, him, he could have been, like, a little bitch, but he just ends up, I think the humor part of it is, like, I thought that was really well done. I just think this is just such a fantastic, like, this is (laughs) one of the best scripts, I think, that exist. (laughs) And, like... (laughs) It's like, Paddington, it's like Paddington 2. There's just not much you would change. And, like, even if you think about the topic that is, like, being discussed, is, like, A, having a, a story about grief and loss is, like, to make it original, you got to work. And then to make it, like, there aren't very many about kids, but that this one is, I just think it's so fucking smart. And it's, yeah. like, a... It's an allegory within an allegory to teach kids about nuance mm-hmm. and about letting go. And just like, oh, it and like devastates you at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to talk about like the themes because I did think in this subsequent or in this like, yeah, second or third viewing, I was like, oh, this works so much better than I remember because every time I watch it I'm like what's the point of some of these stories like what is the what is the like ultimate truth uh and it hits you every time because it's so smart and nuanced like you said it's so complex and shades so much of the actions that Connor has which before we go into this I do want to call out <laughs> I didn't know what that we were going to do no, here or <laughs> yeah in no previous viewing yep. have I noticed but I think because of his prolific turnout of insane videos I was going to say the main character of this movie is Connor O'Malley who oh. is also a comedian married to Aidy Bryant and insane has the craziest videos that really upset you on a deep, fundamental, like, human level, and yet are very funny. And uh, as soon as they said his full name in this movie, I was like, Connor O'Malley? Oh, no. Oh, no. I didn't He had a vine, so I caught it right away, because he Uh, used to do the ones where he would just yell at people in cars. That's essentially what he's still doing now. But I feel like it got even more unhinged. So I think the timing... Yeah. Because this movie came out right before Trump was inaugurated. Or, I mean, for the most part, it came out right before then. But I feel like Connor O'Malley's, like, Twitter shtick just got even more unhinged, like, the deeper we got Uh into the Trump presidency. (laughs) So... Yeah. But he's been around uh, among us Ramis since we learned the dance that he does for the Charlie Rose theme song. Tierney it's the best loved Friday that. night I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. And wanted us to learn it. So we watched it and practiced it. Uh, but yeah, Connor O'Malley, multiple instances of importance among this podcast so, crew. When I watched the movie, I started it last night. I watched it a little bit last night and then finished it today. And when I watched it last night, they he said his, like, because the monster refers to him by first and last name. Yeah. And he said it a couple times and I didn't like make the connection but then like halfway through like the chunk that I watched last night I was like wait is this kid's name Connor O'Malley <laughs> so I was just like waiting for the next time the monster would show up to refer to him by name and I didn't end up making it that far that much farther into the movie and so then tonight the first time the monster showed up I was like okay cool it is Connor O'Malley <laughs> Connor O'Malley <laughs> 
Just had to call that out. <coughs> My note is just Connor O'Malley. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the themes of this movie, which like I think you have to kind of get to the end to have mm-hmm. an understanding of all of what has built to there. But essentially, like the primary actions that um, Connor does are like does things to get punished and is very uh, attentive to his mother and responsible around the house. And, like, those two things are kind of, like, his... Like, his grandma's like, why are you, like, doing all these chores? And he's like, do you want to do them? But, like, is taking care of himself, is trying to take care of his mom, and then also, like, is looking for a reason to be punished and to get in trouble... And that is all stemming from, like, the guilt around just wanting it to be over. And, like, that ultimate truth that he's, like, he feels so guilty about just wanting to not be part of this, like, very sad, slow death of his mother. And knowing that it was inevitable. That is so complex for him to be, like, the reason he breaks everything is because he's so angry and, like feels bad that he's not yelled at he like punches the kid at school and feels bad that he's not going to get expelled or in trouble and it's all painted by this like he's trying to put on a brave face and like pretend like everything's fine and he can just like do things for himself and clean up around the house and take care of his mom and find a cure but in reality he knows that like all he does is feel guilty that he just wants her to go because he knows that like it's harder this way and that's so sad and so, like, genuine and truthful to how a kid would feel in this kind of situation where, like, he has to take care of himself and just wants to, like, have a fun time with his dad at an amusement park. But even that can't be totally joyous because of how heavy his life is. It's so sad and it's so beautiful and, like, gut-wrenching. But that's what, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, it's just, I, like, I'm trying to think if I added, but, the, like, on top of all of that, you have, like, like, many sub-themes. So there's also, like, I think a lot of him, like, the moments where he's, like, uh, like, helping around the house, I think he's in denial. So it's, like... Mm-hmm the haunting part of denial because you know that the charade's gonna fall um but then also trying to like control things do you know what I mean like it like through whatever way a kid can I'm trying to think of the example that made me write this down but like even with the bully at school he controls when the bully attacks him I think. What do you mean? Like, he he provokes the bully. And so he's controlling when he's punished. Explain that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how, how so? I think the bully is the one who leaves the note for, like, see you after school. No, but, like, the bully looks back in the classroom and he stares him down. Oh, well, yeah, I think that's along the same lines of, like, yeah, in, like, pushing instead of, like, ignoring. I think it's maybe a little 
harder to tell initially with the bully, just because bullies are usually the antagonizers and usually, like, instigate that. But I do think he's not trying to, like, lay low or not yeah. push buttons. And, like, that's the same thing of, like, wanting to get punished, like you're saying. But even if you look at, like, the way he interacts with the monster, he's trying to control what the monster does. It, it's not a bad thing. It's just, like, the way that oh, no, a yeah. kid would respond to, like, so much uncertainty and, like, grief in their life to kind of be like, well, I'm going to try and control what I can control. He can control the world he creates on paper. He can try. He tries to control the monster. And he can try, tries to control, like, other people around him to various degrees of success Mm -hmm. but I thought that was like something that I don't know I just watched it I was like oh I see what he's doing here I don't think I've ever seen that done before Mm -hmm. other than like maybe Olivia Coleman in The Father where you're dealing with like an old person Um, I just thought it was interesting and like how his art is an escape from his reality and then his art like ends up becoming his reality I don't know I just thought there were a lot of like sub themes to grief and loss that I hadn't noticed before that I was like this is a lot for a children's story but it ha- yeah. it's done really well right and like that's the point of the story is that it's about grief and so like there's really no you can't tell a good story about grief without talking about how, like, damaging and, like, traumatic and natural it is to, like, go through and all the different stages that you would go through with mm-hmm. it. Um, when, like, it's not about a monster. It's about the death of a, of a parent. And, like, that kind of stuff adds so much weight to a kid's movie that's mm-hmm. just, like... <clears throat> Even the fantasy sequences are not, like, fanciful. They're not, like, fun animation. It's beautiful animation. Yeah. And it's, like, very incredibly precise, like, allegories. But it's way more mature than you'd expect a kid's movie to have. I was going to say, I I don't know if I would consider this a kid's movie. I suppose. Hmm. I mean, like, I... Personally, I could see arguments for, right? And I think it's only rated PG... Like, the kid is, I mean, like, the 12-year-old is, like, the main character. And that was another thing I had forgotten. It was, like, how much of this movie was just him. Like, I thought Felicity Jones had more of a role, but she really doesn't. Nah. And I I remember Toby Kebbell doesn't have a huge role, but I thought he was, even remembering that, I thought he was in more of it than he actually is. And even Sigourney Reaver's only in, you know, a small subset of scenes. So, like, it really is that, you know, just the kid um but i think like the like i can't imagine showing this like so i was in like a college friend reunion in washington state last weekend and one of my friends brought his like four-year-old and not that like i would present this to a four-year-old but like that's just kind of like the age group that my mind is more associating with right now and I can't imagine showing this to somebody anywhere close to that age you know like I mean no one would show it to a four you could do like like, eight though the boy in the striped pajamas is a kids movie 
like that's meant for young adults and children so like if the boy in the striped pajamas is like made for kids a movie about the death of a parent and a tree that talks to a boy is definitely a kids movie like a children's young adult movie i mean harry potter they murder each other and that's what boy in the striped pajamas fucking destroyed me yeah, the kite I runner. I had to pause it I... and go to the bathroom and stop. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, I like for me personally. Again, I can understand the argument, but for me personally, I think, I think this is more of a young adult movie than a kids movie or a children's movie. True. And I think if that like I, that's a pretty. Yeah. I think that's a pretty important distinction to make. I think... Or do you show it to kids young so that they can get used to it? Earlier? Yep. That's if I if I like. Was, was a crazy scenario but like if I were a parent and maybe even if it wasn't like terminal but if I was sick I would absolutely make my kids watch this at by age 8 for sure yeah. it might be a therapy movie is That's what it might be it's like super cathartic I don't know if you've like ev- like you, everyone has different stages of like different everyone has grief from different things and you can translate a lot of that grief onto this story. And that's where the whole concept of, like, the monster's coming to save him instead of his mom is, like, I'm mm-hmm. here to save you from who knows what by helping you basically face what's coming and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, like, let go. The, the fact that the whole, like thesis of this whole story is letting go is like it's definitely a therapy movie but to teach that to like an eight or nine year old who might be looking down the barrel of something like this is like for sure I would absolutely show a child this the five million that it made in the American box office was exclusively doing it for therapy (laughs) I mean it was therapeutic for me to watch it even now at 32 oh yeah like yeah i don't know um, i i will i will watch this movie routinely for the rest of my life <laughs> little I, prince is also very similar but that one's more uplifting i just realized i don't think i actually said any stats on this particular movie i mentioned it for all my other ones so just to catch up real quick so this premiered at toronto and it made mm-hmm. 3.74 million that's very domestic yeah so and so Toronto was 2016 then. So it did premiere in Toronto in 2016. And like I said, I think it opened in U.S. theaters in, like, New York and L.A. in December. Like, late December. It was one of those, like, Oscar pushes um, that didn't end up actually getting anything. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Sorry, I just realized that I didn't mention that, so I wanted to... No, yeah. That's all right. That is pretty low. But, uh, no, yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's obviously not like something you turn on to distract a kid like you're not popping this baby on like aladdin and being like have fun (laughs) like this is one that you're like processing with your children after you watch it but like a very well-made movie to process um something that's very natural and very common sadly um i suppose this is a my justification for eight being the age is I think it was like age 7 or 8 is when (laughs) apropos of nothing I was like I don't know I became very aware of death by about 7 or 8 years old 
And I remember telling my mom on the back, I think I've told you guys this, on the back porch of our house being like, have you ever thought about the fact that everything can kill you? <laughs> my mom was probably like, what the fuck? <laughs> but just like more, like I feel like that's, I don't know, when did you guys start to become aware of your own mortality? Or just death in general? Was, this, I mean, was I like unnaturally early? No, I think it is right around that age. I mean, I can only say from my experience, but like the big, like I, in 1995, uh, my aunt passed away and that was my mom's sister and she died of cancer and I was eight, I guess, seven, seven or eight, seven. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was like a pretty major shift in my understanding of existence like somebody being gone and it like really shook my family the movie that i remember though like having to process grief with and this is like not a joke this is i am this is like very honest but it was casper the friendly ghost (laughs) and so like the difference between casper being the movie that like you start to cycle through grief with Particularly because, like, my mom had a hard time with Casper. Because the idea of, like, a soul passing on and, like, being content with death was, like, not something she was ready for in 1995. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that movie became very heavy and sad and, like, weird. Because it was like, okay, like, this is a cartoon ghost, but, like, (laughs) these emotions are getting real raw and real real. And so, like, this is a much more, like, therapeutic, like, serious, but still, like, colorful and imaginative movie that, like, with this movie, you can process something like the death of a loved one uh, with a kid. And it doesn't have to be Casper, because that's, like, (laughs) the closest thing that you can get to, like, the topic without it being as heavy. But, like... Yeah, that's what I... But I would also say, uh, when I became very, like, cognizant of my death and the death of my parents was uh, AI, which I almost picked and maybe will still pick for this film festival, but Steven Spielberg's AI is a very heavy, heavy movie about (laughs) existence and death and times long, long, long after you're gone. Uh, Yeah, and that really shook me where I remember, like staying up too late just wide-eyed in terror at the darkness and being like oh my god oh my god everything will end and then just crying to my parents being like you're gonna die and i'm gonna die and they were like yeah and none of us like it (laughs) nobody's happy about it so let's just be sad together um do you know what i think i i just really i like hearing you talk about that i was like when did i first think of like parents dying and I actually don't know, but I weirdly remember, and you guys probably will laugh at this, I do, I was, became aware of a child dying sooner than I, like, basically for, like, someone to lose a child before thinking of, like, someone to lose their parents. And it was in the movie Hook with Robin yes. Williams. I was like, I know oh, where yeah. she's going with this. <laughs> it was the first movie I ever cried in when the baby rolls away and the mom is running after him being like peter peter (laughs) broke down and sobbed 
<laughs> it was like, I don't know what's happening to me. And all my brothers were like, what the fuck? <laughs> I had to leave the room. They were all making fun of me. And I went and cried oh, no. in the other room. <laughs> you know, the movies hit you. You don't know when they're going to hit you, but they hit you. Yeah. Um, so it's another children's movie that's not at all about death that became about death. So yeah. in solidarity with you, Matt. Casper and Hook, too heavy for kids. <laughs> um, so quick sidebar. Uh, uh, I texted Matt the other day. Cause, so this is a long story that might be worth it. We'll see once we get to the end of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I knew Matt was like looking at buying a bed sometime last year, like getting a new mattress. And I couldn't remember what kind he ended up going with and so I texted him and I asked him if he had ended up buying a Casper mattress because I had slept like I was staying at a friend's house and I had slept on one and I was like oh damn this bed is really comfortable and he was like no I didn't and I was like oh okay well I you know I slept on one last night and he was like oh you slept on a ghost and I, I said yep I just slept on top of Devin Sawa <laughs> I was like little little baby Matt's dream <laughs> truly though would sleep on Devin Sawa if I was a baby <laughs> I, I wore, don't really yeah. get this, but I'm well, laughing. just imagine Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys, but a movie actor instead. That's it's the same haircut and the same exact face. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I saw Casper, I started wearing billowy white shirts uh, so that I could be like oh. Devin Sawa, because that's before I understood that I wanted to be in Devin. Sawa. Really um, so. Devin Sawa, if you're listening to this, you were formative. Not anyway. even like call me, just you're just, formative. Just, yeah, thank just, you. You should know. Just, I, just, I need you to know. Thank you. Yeah. I know there's no realistic. Uh, <clears throat> nothing's gonna happen, but a major turning point to process death and. Uh, gayness in the same movie of Casper oh, the Friendly. Man. I love how I was gonna yeah. say I love how truly formative a not very good movie was. Yeah, for you. and just like appreciating Christina Ricci and wanting to live in a big house. Casper had a lot of stuff going on. Well, and Bill I Pullman. genuinely thought Casper was a cartoon until this moment. I mean, it was, and then they made a yeah, live action a version out. in like oh. the nineties. Yeah, with Eric Idle. Oh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that movie's <laughs> fucked. That movie's too much. Movie's I've watched parts of it, really weird. and I've been like, I don't know what the fuck is happening with this. But I did watch that and Richie Rich a lot, and there's rumors that Casper is the ghost of Richie Rich. What? I did I ever? T- I think I told you guys. My mom does like voice texts, so she'll be like, Cole Tierney dot come and like so she dictate dictate to text is the mm-hmm. name of the thing and she was trying on a pair of pants and she was trying to figure out if if they fit this is while we lived together so i might have told you guys this and i was like what's the material and she meant to say cotton denim with the stretch but she said cotton demon <laughs> and then and then i was like well how big are they and she said can fist a ghost oh my god which it sounds like you were game for. <laughs> she meant to say can fit a fist. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> it's just how big are your pants? Well, I can fist a ghost in them. 
Cotton demon can fist a ghost. <laughs> I was like, thought my brain was detached from my body. <laughs> oh, that might be one of the funniest stories oh you've God. ever told. <laughs> can fist a ghost. I still have the screenshot. I can I send just... it to you guys. <clears throat> what is the material? Cotton demon. <laughs> How big are they? Can fist a ghost. <laughs> it's like her phone what? was hacked. <laughs> That was, uh, that's what the Russian hackers have been trying to get across. They're like, all we do, all we want is to get across this message. Cotton demon. Cotton demon. Confess a ghost. Confess a ghost. Oh, well, we've um, gotten massively off topic here. I was wow. going to say, so the other thing I wanted to mention to bring it what? a little bit back to the topic at hand, or at least sort of at hand, um, another movie I thought of when I was watching this uh, was Inside Out. Which I think mm-hmm. is also yeah. about, like, growing up and realizing, like... We're all gonna die? Well, n- not necessarily no. that. <laughs> but just, like... <laughs> letting go. <laughs> just, or appreciating. I was gonna say, just yeah. appreciating that, like, your feelings and your emotions are much more nuanced than just one thing, right? Like, the whole idea of Inside Out is that, like, every... Like, it's 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 a combination of your emotions. Like, it's not everything is just happy. It's, like, there's always, like, two sides to that coin. Um, and so I thought, like, because the the way the stories are kind of structured that, like, or the stories in this movie are structured, <clears throat> where it's, like, there's, there's, like, that moral gray area with all of these stories. Um, I thought that that was, like, an interesting connection. But to bring it back to, like, the kids' movie versus young adult movie, like... Obviously, they're not the exact same, but they're, like, dealing with similar topics. Um, but I feel like... Like, I like inside out, you could show a kid, <clears throat> and, like, they might not fully get it, but, like, you could show them that, and they would be able to, like, enjoy it for what it was. But I think this is so much darker that, like, I don't know if a kid is, if a kid's not ready to be able to process what's going on with this movie, I don't know, like, a, well, yeah, like, I you think start message, with Inside Out. That's what I'm saying, like, the message could go over their head with Inside Out, but they would still be like, oh, whatever, Inside, you know, like, this was funny and whatever, whereas, like, <clears throat> I don't think if this movie, if they're not ready to process the message for this movie, I don't think that that would go over very well. Yeah. I well, think- Inside Out's also about moving. And this is I mean, about it's... your mom slowly dying of cancer while Again, you try I to I know keep it together. I feel like like Inside hey, Out is for a kid who can still who's like reading cardboard books or being having like their parents read was it Aesop's Fables to them versus a monster calls is for a kid who can read mm-hmm. like a chapter book. Mm-hmm. So not necessarily, like, a teen, but someone who is, like, reading little tiny chapter books that are, like, a centimeter thick. Yeah. Also, <laughs> A Monster Calls is a young adult novel. Right. So, like, it is for kids. It is a picture book, yeah. Yeah. But, like, it's black and white and looks like the drawings from this movie. You guys as are... As opposed to... Basically, what you guys are saying is children's books need to be colorful well no i'm just saying the degree of which like pixar is like 
round edges with like fuzzy little auras around each emotion and they're like exaggerated and there's literally a fucking imaginary elephant that like rides oh, a scooter God, so annoying versus oh, boy, <laughs> get out of here with that take was like, completely oh. miss me with that bullshit i'm <laughs> not here for that i thought he was the most annoying character <laughs> And Were you so happy when, spoiler alert, he dies? <laughs> <laughs> and this is you... coming from someone who is a child, but I was just like, God, he's annoying. Versus watching a Monster Calls, I was like, I have never felt more seen and represented in a movie than I did by this 11-year-old boy. Yeah. I mean, truly, we could go down a checklist of like ways that you are Connor O'Malley, not the not the comedian who makes videos, but this child, of like when he's kicking his backpack and just throwing oh his God, jacket yeah. down. I was like, that's tyranny. Yep. When he broke everything, when he like took a bat and just like slugged it out to break some stuff. I was like, yeah, that's tyranny. Of like imagining a world and like writing these like stories and imagining this like very creative like other reality i was like huh that's tyranny yeah. uh like oh <laughs> you <is> are <laughs> but that's the point is like it's just like I didn't this like the little one it's probably the most i mean really I, I feel like i've seen you kick your backpack I, that's what i was gonna say i have that exact <laughs> it was like First, a blue he backpack just, like, throws it on the ground, right? Which I was like, okay, whatever. But then he just like kicks it across the room, and I was like, that's the tyranny move right there. <laughs> just like, that. Just, like... <laughs> I did just remember in the movie theater when he goes like before the scene where he smashes the whole sitting room. He takes uh, a couple things about that scene. Uh, he he goes to the grandfather clock, and when he just snaps it, I burst out laughing in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and then the other thing he does in that scene is something I actually have done, where he just, before he starts destroying things, he just is rearranging things. And I'll do that. My mom will be like reading in bed, and I'll just start moving things around on her shelves, and she's like, "We fucking stop." <laughs> I should do yeah. that again next time I'm Very, home. Very. I was gonna say, bring yeah. that back. I'm sure she'd really appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, yeah, very, Tierney is nothing if she's not an 11-year-old countryside little boy who's very upset, uh, but also very strong. I mean, um, anyway. <laughs> Tierney did ask us the other day. I feel exposed. <laughs> uh, just out of the blue, she asked us this, like, pretty deep question about, like, Oh, it's on my list of questions. Yeah, like how old you feel you are in life experiences, but then how old you feel like at heart. And she was just like, I feel like I'm an eight-year-old at heart. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Which fun fact for our listener out there, uh, mm-hmm. Matt and Colin are pretty much the extreme opposite of me so i'm like an eight-year-old at heart in my 60s and life experiences yeah and i'm a wee baby in life experiences and i don't feel old at heart i feel like a baby in both things and i've told you the story of like one time i was shopping with my dad at 11:30 at night at the local jewel osco 
And at 11.30 at night, I was like, oh, I bet people are, like, wondering why this child is out so late. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. I am 25 years old. <laughs> but in my brain, I was like, aren't they concerned about my school nights? What am I doing out so late shopping at Jewel Osco? I need sleep. I've got studies tomorrow. This is after I graduated college. Very, very nearly when I was living uh, with a roommate in the city. So like, oh god. Yeah. But yeah. So my my brain age is like four. <laughs> to give some context, like, <laughs> like when you were telling that story, I was like. Not at 25, oh, but, like, now, currently, as a 33-year-old, I was like, man, I wouldn't go shopping at 11.30 at a jewel. I'd want to be in bed. <laughs> i got to work the next day. Yeah. And your and you're, uh, age that you said was, like, mid-40s. Mid-40s. So, <laughs> of course, that makes sense. Oh, it's oh, such boy. a great question. <clears throat> it is. You should just publish a book of questions. I only and have, like, five. Well, you, you better get moving, because they're not going to publish five, Tierney. <laughs> You've got to have 400 questions, and that's just the book. is called Tyranny's 400 Questions, and everyone just goes around and asks each other insane questions. Like, would you eat a buzzsaw? <laughs> There's a John Cleese interview question where he was once asked, you have to eat a door. Where do you start to eat it? <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> That's a great question. Do you I start you at the doorknob? The question was, you have to eat a door. <laughs> <laughs> no, no follow-up. Just... Period. <laughs> yeah, no question mark. Oh, boy. Well... I just have a lot of questions about the world, you know? And it, yeah. I like to know what's going on in other people's brains. Yeah, no, that's... I mean, I get it. Um, nobody's fighting you on that. I'm just saying, publish a book, because then people will be like, oh, this is such a good book, and they'll pass it to all their friends, and they're like, there's so many questions in here. <laughs> like, would you wear a dress, or would you wear a skirt? <laughs> wow, what a great question. If you knew you were going to die, which would you wear? That's what you got to exactly. make it important. Yeah. <laughs> if it's really Tyranny's, yeah, sense. If it's Tyranny's list of questions, you got to have death in there. Yeah, That's somewhere. <laughs> God, so um, morbid, my life. I have a, f- a few more quick things, uh, okay. but we are getting kind of late in this recording. Hit, it. So we, Hit us we with it. it. Uh, score is breathtaking. Yes. Mm. Really beautiful score from Go. Like, you're already <clears throat> in from the opening titles, which are also beautiful. Yep. Um, Keen, my favorite band, did the song for Monster Calls called uh, Tear Up This Town, and it's a real cathartic song, and it's just about being so angry and sad that you just want to break everything. Uh, and it's a great, it's a jam. But it's Keen. Check it out. Keen's the best. Um, Maz, the yeah, that, 1% of listeners worldwide. He's being modest right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm their biggest fan. I have signed merch from them, and that's not a joke. I once <laughs> bit someone's shoulder to get a drumstick. <laughs> I am not afraid to use my teeth to get what I want. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, Damn. <laughs> that's not the point of this. Uh, the point is, uh, I also kind of like that the dad isn't a total wanker. Like, the dad kind of sucks, but not, like, to a huge degree. He's not a villain. He's not some sort of, like, arc 
bad dad. Yeah. He lives very far away. He probably could do more to be in his son's life. He's self-aware enough to know he could do more. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, is genuine whenever he's with him. And doesn't make him feel bad about breaking all the shit at his grandma's house. Like, he's a pretty decent man. Just maybe could be a better dad. But is doing what he can. And, like... I really liked that scene that they had. um, Where he was just like, we were young. Like, you know, like, it's just... Mm -hmm. Like, we're not, like, you know, neither of us would take back what happened. Like, we love you, we, we love that you exist, but, like, I just wasn't ready at that point in my life. And, like, I'm sorry, like, that I am now mm-hmm. with a different woman and a different child, but, like, I just wasn't ready. And I, 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 I really liked that he was so, like, brutally honest about that. Um, yeah. Also, I just, I really love Toby Kevill. I don't know why. Like, I've never, like... I, I, I'm not, like, following everything he ever does, but just, like, when he shows up and stuff, I'm like, oh, Toby Kevill. What's up, dude? Like, kind of the Apes movies? Yeah. He's so good in those. As yeah. the orangutan, I think? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Award-winning performance. But, yeah. Dad isn't a total wanker was one of my notes. Um, uh, okay. Just a couple, like, quick things. Two scenes that are very, very, very heartbreaking is when uh, Sigourney Weaver is trying to get the medicine for Felicity Jones and he and uh, Connor just like looks very stressed and very scared. Heartbreaking scene. Just brutal. And then, I mean, the car scene of them getting stuck in the car as the train is going by and Sigourney Weaver just being like we, we have your mom in common. Like, we might not be the best fit, but, like, we both love your mom. That scene is just, like, gut-wrenching. Um, my other question is, and I think I maybe made this up, but then I started, like, writing a lot of, like, oh, oh, and this makes sense because of this. <clears throat> but did Felicity Jones lose her dad when she was a little girl? And is the dad the monster? Yes. Okay. Because Liam Neeson is in the picture. Right. 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 Um, Which I thought was a really cool, subtle fantasy element that, like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just a dream. Because they already say up front, like, he's like, you're just a dream. I know that you're just my imagination. You're not real. And then there's so many things where you're like, yeah, but what's really going on here? Mm -hmm. And the fact that, like, she dies at 12.07... And she drew the monster before it does make it like there is something. And she something. looks at him. I was going to say, she actually yeah. sees him right at the end, too. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's her dad. And he says, we'll both see her tonight because she's going to heaven. Oh, very, very sad. <laughs> Just cried so much every watch so of this movie. So much. Uh, and yeah, and all the little animated sequences are really, really fucking cool beautiful sequences that are like what a lot of movies keep trying to do and like some movies do really well and some movies don't um, I was gonna say I which, remember when we first well, when we first when you and I first saw this Matt um, when it like the when he tells the first story and it transitions to that animation it reminded me of Harry Potter Deathly Hallows part one mm. 
-hmm. which I do like I like that I think that's a really effective part of that movie which generally I'm not a huge fan of but the what we get in a monster calls is so much better than that like I I really like the I I really do enjoy the version from Harry Potter but this is just leaps and bounds better than that yeah and I think it's because there's a purpose to this like Kill Bill has a cool animated sequence but like does it need to be animated? Probably. Like, it probably needed to be animated so they could keep an R rating. <laughs> that that's animated right. sequence um, is mad violent. <laughs> Whim! Um, oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. But, like, but as far as, like, for the story... For story um, purpose, no. <laughs> yeah, Deathly Hollows, it's a cool animated sequence, but, like, is that... Is it required that we see that flashback in that way, or that story? Whereas this, yes. you are watching this story in the imagination of this little boy and that's what it's pitched as he's like I don't see anything and then he's like imagine and so like it makes sense that it looks like his drawings and that it like this is how we watch the stories so there is just like an element that like oh that's this is like a stylistic choice that really works specifically for this story for what it is supposed to be doing Um, so yeah do I want more animated sequences in movies? Sure, of course. Do all of them feel necessary? No. <laughs> and I won't change my mind on this. As a segue, I was going to say that art direction should is one of the reasons this should have been nominated. I agree with that. So that yeah, so part of why I put in the the, the caveat of not nominated for an Academy Award was Partially because, it, you know, like, if a movie is nominated, it at least brings some relevancy to it. Um, so I thought that, like, taking that away would mean that likely a lot of these movies people hadn't seen. But also I wanted to talk about if we thought these movies should have been. I thought that would be an interesting conversation. Yeah. I think I mean, this do one we wanna... should have been nominated for five. Do we want to transition into our categories? Sure. Yeah. All right, so it. we do have to play a little catch-up. Um, we remembered... Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> we remembered that late in the game last year, we added a new category, which was we... <laughs> emails that Colin I, I read, sent. I read out the yeah. subject lines of the emails that I send for our Zoom links when we, uh, when we do these calls. So to catch up <clears throat> for uh, Kramer versus Kramer, the email subject was marriage story colon the prequel. Um, and for fast color, <laughs> it was slow grayscale. He's so which, stupid. So dumb. I'm, which, until you emailed that, I also forgot that grayscale was the disease in yeah, I, yeah. fucking Game of Thrones. And the fact that grayscale, literally a thing, was the name of this disease is so lazy, George R. R. Martin. Just grayscale? Whatever. Um... <laughs> RGP. And so to, to bring it all the way back, um, tonight's email was... <laughs> so long. You have to sit in this. <laughs> I don't want to sing it. If I were in my apartment, I would, but I'm in this hotel no, room. sit I'm in sure. it. Oh, sit in it? Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> hey, I just met you, and this is crazy, but my mom's dying, so call me monster. <laughs> So the call me comma monster was really like, ugh. Yeah. I got so mad. 
I saw that and I was like, I forgot that this is a category we have to do now. <laughs> I think especially because monster and maybe are the same amount of syllables, so like it is to the beat, and that made me angry. But it doesn't <laughs> rhyme though. I was like, God. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't uh, rhyme. Crazy and monster don't rhyme. It's so stupid. No, it's not so the bad. same amount of syllables. I know, but I'm just saying, like, it's just oh. like it's, yeah. it's all bad. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. It just, yeah, it jumped into my brain and I was like, look, this is, I'm not proud of it, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, it is nearly criminal, I will say. <laughs> nearly. Yeah. Uh, uh, would I watch this on an airplane? You fucking oh, know it. So, <laughs> funny story. I don't I, care who's sitting next to me. <laughs> I'd love a good airplane cry. Let me tell you that. Let me tell you. So, I'd be a bit dehydrated, but it'd be worth it. Yeah, and especially now that you have to wear a mask, and, like, every time you're not wearing your mask, you're, like, scared of dying, so, like, I don't drink as much as I normally do on an airplane. At least the monster would be there, though. Hopefully not. They'd probably bring the airplane down. I don't think the airplane's waited for that. Mm. Giant tree monster. That's true. Good point. Um, You trees are heavy as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) God. Um... Uh, so funny story I I was planning on actually watching this on an airplane oh <laughs> our first one that maybe could have been um, I was planning <laughs> on watching it on an <laughs> but then I didn't watch it on an airplane so yeah. you know sorry cool <laughs> story Hansel <laughs> um, yeah to the point of the question you didn't watch it I on did, an airplane you had the chance and you didn't so we know your answer <laughs> so rude I downloaded uh, on my iPad and everything. I was ready to roll, and then I was scrolling through the airplane options. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to watch this instead. So. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we'll get to it. Anyway. Um, Tattoo a, ideas? I mean, it would monster. have to be... Ooh, it would have so to be many good ones. something from one of the drawings. Yeah. Like, yeah. from one or of like, the animated like, sequences. The silhouette of the monster is mm-hmm. really yeah. cool. I like that the branches are just on his back and the back of his head. It's, it's a, like a very cool look. It's got a real nice butt, too. Wow. Dead ass. <laughs> Dead Tierney ass. wants to bone that tree. <laughs> wants some of that wood. <laughs> Climb up that trunk. Um, I do I, I do think that the monster, like the creature design of the monster is really cool. I also like when, because um, like usually... The monster just kind of like is you, there. Usually, usually, um, but that like the when he shows up in the daylight and like Connor runs to the graveyard, he's like kicking the trees. Like, come here! I don't care what time it is, and you actually get to like see him transform from the tree into the monster. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked mm-hmm. how like when he becomes the monster, he still has like the tree on him, but he like rips that off. I thought that was like a really cool little touch. Um, yeah. yeah. Also, his eyes go white when he's, like, finally calm, mm-hmm. but typically they're, like, red and glowing, but then when he's, like, just talking to Connor about, like, accepting the truth, he's mm-hmm. very gentle and not scary, which is nice. Yeah. Um, would you guys spend time on the film set? Fuck yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would love to hang out with Sigourney Weaver, to be totally honest. live there. <laughs> 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 that yeah, house that makes sense. looks adorable. Yeah. And the fact that it's like right next to a cemetery, it's like extremely my vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny's like, show me that property. <laughs> 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 
let me get some uh, property. Tootie's like, I'm um, in the market, and that is exactly what I'm looking for. <laughs> you should yeah. come with it. As long as there's like a bit of water nearby, too, I'd be like, fucking set for life. You've and only every so often else. does a sinkhole open in the graveyard and absorb just a couple the times. entire land around. Yeah. It's just like every so often. And you know what? One day it would happen to me, and that'd be okay. Just the way it goes. That is true. It's honestly good. You, you took the message of this movie and really processed it. <laughs> All right, Tierney, so hit us with, what do, you, what do you think this should have been nominated for? Oh, okay. Well, uh, I think writing, adapted screenplay. Okay, so okay. here's a fun game we're going to play. Here are the nominees. Oh. What are we kicking out? Moonlight 1, then Arrival. <laughs> <laughs> what? Up against Moonlight. Yeah. yeah, this movie would not have won. <laughs> yeah, no, so Moonlight 1, it was up against Arrival, Fences, Hidden Figures, and Lion. Damn. Ooh. I feel like I don't know. I don't think hidden figures. Like if I were to kick something out, I think I'd kick. See, out I would say figures. fences because it's closer to the actual play. There's less of an adaptation happening. That's true too. Well, that's a good point. Um, I would probably kick out. No, maybe not. I don't know. These are all really tough. Yeah. We can I go like on hidden to the figures. Next I just go. think hidden figures is. Like, I just, I have a pretty... Pretty standard biopic. It's a, it's a biopic, like. and I'm just like, it's, it's a good movie. Like, it's enjoyable, but it is what, like, I don't think it's but, like... Well, but it is taking that nonfiction work, which was not, like, really narrative-focused. Isn't it primarily, like, a math story, and that it includes the stories of these women? I'm I have sure. no idea. Anyway. Or maybe I'm thinking of Moneyball. Never mind. I'm thinking of Moneyball. Yeah. Because oh, Moneyball, Moneyball is very like, pure statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they're like, let's make a story around it. Yep. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Let's um, kick out whatever. <laughs> art direction was another one. Okay. Mm. Um, What's it up against? Let's see. Oh, production design, I think, is what they call it these days. Um, so, La La Land won. Oh, uh, fucking get rid of that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arrival, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Hail Caesar and Passengers. Pretty much all, all of those. Yeah. Rip could them all been, out. Could have been replaced. <laughs> yeah, dig out the whole thing and get rid of it. I think Arrival uh, has a really good production design. Fair, fine, keep it. That was the only one that I would keep. <laughs> I also had sound. Um like just the I believe it's mixing where they create the sounds sound editing is where they create editing yeah mixing is levels editing is I always get them backwards well luckily for you starting this most recent Oscar ceremony earlier this year they're just lumped together as one category so normally from now on you don't have to worry about it um I'm sure that the sound editors and mixers love that about treating being treated that way (laughs) Uh, so sound editing, Arrival 1, it was up against Deepwater Horizon, Hacksaw Ridge, La La Land, and Sully. I mean, okay, La La Land Get again. La La Land out of there. Like, yeah, <laughs> Sully? Who that fucking too, cares yeah. about Sully? Are you kidding me? He hit some geese and he landed it. Is the one from Monster Monsters Inc. Inc. There we go. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, and then I also had um, Lewis McDougal, I think, should have been mm-hmm. nominated. So, best actor that year. Casey Affleck won for Manchester by the Sea. Andrew Garfield well, for Hacksaw Ridge. <laughs> oh. uh, Ryan Gosling for La La Land. Viggo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic. And Denzel Washington for Fences. I think you could get rid of Viggo. 
Vigo was really good in that movie. If I were going to kick also, somebody out, I would kick out Andrew In Garfield. terms of, like, Me Too, Casey Affleck could also go because uh-huh. he's yeah. a bit of, a, like, a predator, so. He shouldn't have been nominated in a lot of Lewis people. Lewis McDougal is a 12-year-old, so he definitely <laughs> <laughs> Probably hasn't As far been. as what we're, you know, yeah. yeah. He's a much better choice for that reason. Yeah. I think those were mine. I think those oh, are all Oh, and fair. just Best Picture, but I doubt it would have won, because Moonlight. Yeah. Yeah. I but think it would have been up against some... Probably Capsaw Ridge. I was just, of La La Land. Ridge. I don't understand. Mm, yeah, La La I still don't understand what happened with <laughs> Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, but yeah, the nominees that year, Moonlight, Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, and Manchester by the Sea. Hell or High yeah. Water, oh. I feel like, was pretty pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. Also, I think in that movie marathon that I, I watched this with, I think we watched Lion as well. Because it was like a mother-child marathon. Because it was Lion, Damn. Uh, 20th Century Women, and A Monster Calls, for sure. And I was like, well, we got a real theme going today of uh, <laughs> okay. complicated relationships between mothers and sons. Maybe that's why I didn't watch any of the other movies with you. Because I, according to my notes, I saw Lion the week previous. Mm-hmm. And I double featured that with Hidden Figures. Guys, that Century that Century in Evanston got so much of my money before Movie Pass. <laughs> it's just stupid how much money I gave that movie theater. <laughs> oh, man. And then stupid how much money Movie Pass gave that movie theater. <laughs> so much money. I just missed Five Dollar Tuesdays. Oh, those were clutch. Um, it was movies were five dollars on Tuesdays for our listener if they didn't know. <laughs> R.I.P. that dope-ass movie theater. Um, so that's, that's Monster Calls. Yeah. What have you guys been up to? Um, I mean, I feel like Matt's got to start this one off. Matt's got the most exciting what he's been up to lately. Do I? Have I? I mean, I don't know. maybe I'm not moving this, to... I was going to say, I'm maybe not to Los Angeles, California. talk about these things, but in, right. in just the general life sense, I think so. Yeah. The next time I record, maybe, will be from beautiful, sunny California. Uh, Are you going to sing La La Land when you get there? Yeah, I'm going to get stuck in traffic, and I'm going to get out and start dancing in the middle of the 101. Just uh, blast it. car hits me. Anyway, yeah, so I will be moving to L.A. blocks away from the uh, Academy Museum, which I will going to many times i'm sure um so that's exciting i'm excited about it uh i'll still be recording this podcast and just be closer to the action now um but stuff that i've watched uh i've been watching what if the disney show um colin's also been watching that i know um it's fine i rewatched under the silver lake uh, a you couple days ago. You didn't wait until you moved to L.A. to watch Under the Silver Lake? No, I watched it literally in preparation <laughs> okay. of moving to L.A. Um, and I have a lot of thoughts on that movie, but overall I think it's actually very good. If it's... You really have to do a lot of work to not make it about a uh, whiny, privileged white man. But I think... If you're looking at it as, as a satire about that, then it's very funny. Um, 
so I think I rewatched that. Uh, I've been watching the new American Horror Story season ten. Uh, it is interesting. It, there's a lot of twists, and it's part of the double feature, so like it'll end I think in a few episodes, and then a different story will be for the rest of the season. Oh, fuck That's, that show. <laughs> you know, there's less. They really figured out that it's not a horror show and it's just camp and it's actually kind of fun now um what other movies have i rewatched recently uh, um cool. <laughs> wow uh yeah i'm not entirely sure have uh i yeah i don't know that i watched those things i think i'm done cool <laughs> good talk <laughs> Uh, I can go next. <clears throat> All right. Then just do it. Um, I, so I, I started reading a book recently. Um, <gasps> wow. Jesus. Is it the dictionary again? <laughs> um, what are you reading? It's, it's, it's called Infinite Jest, and nobody's ever. No. Read it. Uh, <laughs> no, I, don't I will literally never read me. that book. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's. I think it's appropriate to some of the things we were talking about earlier. It's called the end of everything, astrophysically speaking. And mm. it's literally about the end of the universe. <laughs> and, like, not, like, Light the end reading. of Earth. Just, like, the end of literally the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very fascinating. I got, like, I was on YouTube a couple weeks ago, stumbled upon this, like, 30-minute time-lapse video that was just like, here's how we think the universe is going to end. And I was like, yeah, I'll watch that. <laughs> and then I mentioned that I watched that, and a friend of mine told me about this book, so I've been reading it. And it's like... This astrophysicist, um, had, like, she basically just, like, describes the five most likely scenarios of how the universe is going to end. And it's, like, yeah, pretty light stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's been really My interesting. My thing is, like, well, who cares? We're not going to be here. That, I mean, that's kind of, like, one yeah. of my friends was, like, that's, that's too much. I'm not interested in reading anything about that. I was, like, I mean, the time scale that we're talking about is, like, literally trillions of years. From, like, an un, a literally unfathomable amount of time for us to, like, comprehend. Like, who fucking cares? <laughs> like, what if the money that was going into researching that was allocated to climate action? I mean, it's all theoretical physics, they get funding. Oh, right. But somebody's got to think of these things. Do they? I have I mean, thoughts on the space race in general, and it pretty much comes down to why. <laughs> I, don't, I think that this is a totally different thing than the space race. I know. Race. I'm just being, I'm just being <laughs> annoying. <laughs> it's just adding on. But in um, terms of existential angst, I feel like you'd be spared. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. None of us, none of us will witness the uh, complete collapse of the universe, right? Unless you know, who knows what the Republicans have planned? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I also started listening to the Harry Potter audiobooks, um, mm. which has been fun. Read by Jim Croce. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> that's that's the, that's the guy. Um, <clears throat> I've been wanting to reread the books. And I just, I don't read often enough, but I was like, oh, I, ha- I happen to have all the audiobooks. I don't know why, but they just, like, are in my iTunes library. So I was like, oh, that could be a fun way. So I, I've been listening to one chapter a day while I get ready for work, and it's been very pleasant. Um, so that's been fun. 
Jim Croce, great audiobook narrator. You should do more stuff. Uh, I watched the second season of I Think You Should Leave. Thank God, finally. It's so dark. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) You just don't get it. I I mean, I have the same flashes. I have the same thoughts like um, that I do on all sketch comedy. I think like it's pretty hit or miss, and I think when it's funny, it's really funny, and I think when it's not funny, I would rather be watching literally anything else. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> I will say the uh, the haunted ghost tour thing was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I did really good. like that one. Did you like Coffin Flop? Coffin Flop was funny. I wish that I would have seen Coffin Flop <laughs> earlier, though, because, like, by the time I saw it, I was like, okay. Like, I've seen, like I know what this is now. <laughs> like, Yeah. Um, so good. Calico Cut Pants was funny. As that well. was one of my least favorites. That I, one goes on way too goddamn long. I did, yeah, but, like, <laughs> I don't know why, it just but goes for whatever on reason, I just really thought that one was good. Um, and then I also finally watched uh, Inside by Bo Burnham. Oh! Oh, wow! Look who finally came aboard. Um, y'all, it's really good. It does. It is. Shockingly, very good. Hot take on the Bo Burnham special that everybody watched two months ago. It's really good. Put your fucking hands up. I, I text, I think I texted you guys after, so like, I watched it on the plane back from Seattle. Um, and so I watched the whole thing, and then I listened to, the, like, the album, and then I got to um, All Eyes on Me, and then I just put it on repeat for, like, a half an hour for the end of my flight. And so wow. when I landed and turned and had cell service again, I texted you guys, I was like, is All Eyes on Me the best song of 2021, or is it retroactively the best song of 2020? <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was really, like, thinking, so... I don't know if you guys followed, like, the Nick, Nick Lutzko saga last year, but, like, mm. he uh, he was just, like, tweeting dumb videos, uh, like, all throughout the year last year, and it was, like, very clearly, like, his way, like, he's a musician slash kind of comedian, um, but it was, like, his way of processing, like, COVID and, all and like, the election and all this other stuff, mm-hmm. um, but I thought it was really interesting thinking about those two because like they're obviously like very different projects with very different objectives but I feel like they're both music musically inclined comedians dealing with healing the world with comedy yeah well just like dealing with that thing that we all lived through last year so I thought that that was like fun to kind of think of those two in combo and then the only other thing I want to mention I hinted at it earlier I was going to watch Monster Calls on the Plane but uh, I was like filtering through, or, like scrolling through what my on on plane options were, and they had Cocoon, which is a movie I've been wanting to watch for like a year ever since I found out about the Wilford Brimley Cocoon line Twitter account, which is one of the weirdest Twitter accounts I've ever seen. What? Oh, are you not familiar? I don't think so. So this account just like tweets out, um, like somebody has crossed the 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 line, which is like whatever age William Brimley was when they released Co- uh, oh, Cocoon. Yeah, but okay. like, I do William Brim- like, he was the Wilfred Brimley. I keep calling him the wrong yes, name. Wilfred Brimley. <laughs> Wilfred Brimley. Wilfred Ghost. Fist of Ghost. 
but he um he was Happy, i think he was right? only like 52 when that movie came out but he <laughs> looks like he's like 79 yeah um and so the account is just like oh these people across that like they're the same age that he was but anyway um i've been wanting to watch it forever but that movie is nearly impossible to find um like it's not available on any streaming platform i can't even seem to buy it like i could maybe get like a sh- like a cheap used dvd somewhere because um, the messages are too uh potent the messages are too controversial <laughs> for our times that they really can't let people but watch it the now. weird thing is like you can watch the second one so easily it's on like that one was not nearly platform. as controversial so apparently you just need to fly united on certain flights and you can watch the first cocoon and then you can go to amazon or itunes or wherever and rent the second one but the only reason i bring that up is i like i watched cocoon a lot when i was a kid i don't know why but like i just really like i've literally never even heard of this movie (laughs) i have no idea what you guys are talking about it's a bunch of old that go in cocoons and become youngs that's the movie no (laughs) yeah it is all these olds decide to go into these pods to get younger and then when they come out they all fuck Okay, so, just finish talking, Colin. That's mostly wrong, except for the part about olds fucking, which is what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> so I watched it a bunch as a kid. I probably haven't seen it in, like, 15 years. And I was like, oh, cool, I can finally rewatch this movie on this plane. And it's so weird. And it's, there's so, like, I did not realize, and I did not remember how much of that movie is about old people having sex. I was like, oh my god, why was I watching this? It's like a ten-year-old. What are the cocoons about? <laughs> on a plane, too. Yeah. The person sitting next to me seemed pretty interested. <laughs> like, wow. she was reading a book, but every once in a while I could I could catch she was, like, looking up she's from like, her book oh, at my screen. She's like, oh, hello. <laughs> she's like, oh, what's this pairing? Um, some some aliens, nice white hair I see there. Some aliens used to have an outpost on Earth in Atlantis. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and when they go left, on, when they left Earth, they couldn't bring everybody for reasons. <laughs> so they uh, they typical. left twenty of their people in cocoons in Atlantis, and so in the eighties they come back, like literally like ten thousand years later, they come back to pick up these people, <laughs> and so they like get them from the bottom of the ocean while they're still in their little cocoons, and they're keeping them in a swimming pool that's next to a retirement community. And so the old people go swimming in this swimming pool, and then they feel young again. They're, like, taking the life energy from these aliens. And then they go home and, and fuck. It's so what? weird. It what? Is, Who pitched this movie? It's a Ron Hour movie. It's Oh, my God, so Ron. Oh it's, got a, God. it's got a really good, and by good I mean bad, uh, Steve Gutenberg performance. So, you know. Uh, that's that's always fun, but yeah, cocoon. If you fl- if you happen to fly United from Denver to Houston or whatever other flights they offer that, check right. it out. It's super bizarre. Yeah, we'll Sweet. let you know if I watch cocoon. <laughs> Ron Howard's cocoon. <laughs> T girl, what what's up in your what's been up in your life? Two things. I sent you guys a TikTok. When you turn thirty four, you're four hundred and twenty months from being sixty nine. Just thought I wanted to throw that in uh, about well, you guys were talking about ages and when someone comes of age. Well, this is an age you'll come of. Um, wow. Drill. And then I, the other thing I was gonna add. What were what were you, were you talking about before Cocoon? 
uh, inside Bo Burnham? Oh, I went to a wedding uh, over Labor Day weekend, and I woke up the day after the wedding and, like, truly felt like shit. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole... Also, it was in Massachusetts. I drove all the way back to Chicago in one day, so for 16 and a half hours, it was just like... Tell me how I'm feeling. We're feeling like shit. <laughs> Woke up at um, 11.30. Feeling like a bag of like shit. a bag of shit. <laughs> Only it was 6.30. Woke yeah. up at 6.30. Oh feeling like a bag of shit. Um, okay, what have I been up to? I read Conversations with Friends with by Sally Rooney, who wrote Normal People. Uh, mm. Better than Normal People, I would say. Mm. Uh, Little Fires Everywhere uh, by mm. Celeste. Mm, mm, also very good. Uh, Did you watch the show? I did not, but I should. Maybe. Yeah. I've heard the book is better. Oh, okay, yeah. then I won't. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought the book was good. Uh, uh, a lot of people are really annoying in that book, as you would imagine. It's just, like, privileged suburban white people. And then I started watching Jane the Virgin, which is Ooh. pretty funny. I've heard it's really Adrian good. Loves it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm only like a couple episodes in uh, because sometimes I get really overwhelmed by the number of episodes on television shows and then I'm like, oh, I can't do it. Oh, yeah. I yeah. have that feeling. And that one has like six seasons and it was like a network uh, show so like those are oh. long seasons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we'll see, we'll see how long I go but it's definitely, it's like really entertaining. And then, I, re- I really uh, like Gina Rodriguez. Yeah, she's great. She's so good in like everything I've ever seen her in. She's fantastic. She's she popped up in an episode of Happy Endings that I was watching. Oh, that's oh. right. She was also in uh, Annihilation, which she sure was. I saw I'll never, on I'll TikTok. I'll never miss an opportunity to talk about Annihilation. <laughs> I saw on TikTok that she's in another movie that is on Netflix, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch that. <laughs> um, and, and then I started watching Turning Point, which is a limited series about documentary on... Uh, 9-11 and the War on Terror. Oh, I just saw that on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, it's really good. I'm on, like, episode four at the moment. Um, but it's, like, I mean, I was 12 when it happened. Uh, and so some of, like, the raw footage I just hadn't seen in years. Yeah. Um, but then they also, like, my sister recommended it to me, and she would have been eight. And she was saying, like, a lot of stuff she didn't understand about like Afghanistan and Iraq and they go into some of that in the documentary and like uh, Patriot Act she was like these are just words I heard that I had no idea what they meant <laughs> um, but yeah. it's it's a well made documentary um, hmm. would recommend so far I haven't finished it but are, is it like a docu-series like are there multiple episodes or is it just a movie that you've yeah. heard about? No, it's... Let me see how many episodes there are. There's six. Nope, there are five. So I have one more after this one. And each one is about an hour long. So it's like Tiger King, you know? It's exactly like Tiger King. Yeah. Because Tiger King was also a Netflix series that was like six episodes. So it's like kind of in there. This is the same type of documentary series from Netflix. Right, yeah. And both are like... Both both involve really shitty people. (laughs) Yeah, and they both have like a... (laughs) they like struck into the hearts of every American 
Yeah, and just like two shitty presidential candidates. Uh, <laughs> I will are say, <laughs> watching watching all of this old footage is like, oh yeah, remember when George Bush was the worst? Yeah. God. Yeah, he was just the precursor. He was the prologue to a whole era of shit. And God. every time I see uh, see Dick Cheney, I just think of Chris. He, I'm like, oh, it's just Christian Bale. That's not Christian Bale. Is that Christian Bale? <laughs> Christian Bale has transformed into Dick Cheney. That like now Dick Cheney is Christian Bale. Yeah. That's how complete the transformation was. <laughs> it's shocking. Just think it, like Kirby. Like Kirby's sucking somebody in, but it's Christian Bale sucking in Dick Cheney and then going boop and having five heart attacks immediately. Jesus Good God. Oh 